Welcome to the Pull Apart Podcast. This is Josh Heiser here with James Prophet, and I'm not a fish. I'm a man. <laughs> Today we have a special treat for you. I know you guys are loving the the feuds, break breaking those down and everything, but we thought near the beginning we should kind of let, let you guys get to know us a little bit, although I'm assuming most of the people listening are friends and family at this point, but... <laughs> <laughs> like say hi for friends and family at this moment, <laughs> BG Dub. You never hey, know. Everybody. So what we decided today is we're going to do our top 10 all-time favorite wrestlers. James and I are both big fans of list making and top fives and top tens. Yeah, Josh and I saw High Fidelity way back in the day, about 2000. And I don't think either of us have ever broken the habit of making lists for freaking everything nope. yet. So... Of course, like right away, Josh said, we should do a top 10 list. And because it's a list, I said, yeah, we should do that. (laughs) So here we go. is we have a list of the top 10 and then we each picked a moment that either made us kind of fall for that wrestler or just kind of in hindsight one of our favorite memories of the wrestler. I feel like it's too hard to do you know definitive number one favorite moment. There's just so many for a lot of these so these are just ones that we love as fans. Yeah yeah this is going to be personal. Some of it's going to be person specific. Some of it will be something that we can all relate on. A lot of it will be that hopefully and by the way we said hi to friends and family. Also we have like 40 listens right now on Podbean. I have no idea about iTunes but that just leads me to think there are some strangers. So Thank you very much for listening to us. Your presence is greatly appreciated, and we're both kind of shocked. We expected like 10, I think. And of course, if it's 2022 and we're, you know, leading StarCast and people are going back in the archives and listening to this, thank you for for finding our very first couple of episodes. So James, I'm going to throw you a curveball, okay? Shoot. So going into our list, I'm kind of curious... You know, we are friends. It's not just two random people that met to start a podcast. We've known each other for a long time. Yes, our mega powers have not exploded yet. Not yet. It's episode 30. (laughs) So I am curious what each of us thinks the others, at least top five. We don't have to do top ten. okay. Just based on we've known each other, what, 20 years or so? Who does the other one talk about the most, seem to get the most giddy about when they talk about Mm -hmm. them? So yeah, so I'll, I'll go first. I have not been thinking about this all okay. day. I just had the idea, so I'm right, not cool. like cheating. Like it. So when I think of James Prophet, I think of, of course, Bret Hart. So I'm going to put that as number one. Okay. For some reason, to this day, I still always think of Mick Foley. Um, I don't really think that's number two, because I think we've talked about this because we do love making lists, but I'm just going with off the top of my head. Um, you're a big Christian guy, so I'm going to put Christian even though he is clearly the inferior wrestler of ENC. <laughs> and let's see, James likes... Again, I also always think of Chris Jericho, so I'm going to put AEW's own Chris Jericho. Okay. 
And to round it out, I will say somebody old. I know he used to be a Hulkamaniac, but I think his views on certain races have dropped him in your list, perhaps. To be fair, he, <laughs> and yeah, we, we joked about him in the other episode. I He's kind of repented, and I think Biggie said, you know what, we should give everybody a second chance. That is true. I just don't know if Biggie's outlook on it has skyrocketed Hogan back into your top five. Right, right. Okay. So I will go. You would be correct. I'll spoil that. I'm just going to put Ted DiBiase on there. Okay. All right, James, what do you got? All right. So knowing what I know about Josh, number one, I'm putting Shawn Michaels, number one with a bullet, and number two, Kenny Omega. We will have to see, James. So number three, I think, is going to be CM Punk. I think James is just straight up spoiling my list right now. <laughs> number, I pay attention, Daddy O. Number <laughs> I four, I'm going to say Randy Macho Man Savage. And number five is tricky, but I'm guessing Kevin Owens. Okay. Well, That's we will, guess for the top five. We will circle back to this and we will let you all know how close you are. Yes. Um, how close each of us is. Okay. The, I'll say one of the cool things about Josh is like when he's a fan, he's a fan, you know? So I feel pretty confident about one and two. I like that you didn't guess the person that is on my shirt right now. So that is a... Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, Josh is wearing a Steve Austin shirt. And... All right. Do you want to get into it, James? Yeah, let's All right, let's... Yeah. Number 10. Okay. All right, James, we'll go with you first. All right, so one of the things when I really come to love a wrestler, a lot of times there's one moment, but usually it's like a progression of like three to four moments. And that fourth one will be, okay, I'm on board with everything they do now. And sometimes it's just a progression of years. Um, I'll save somebody specific I'm thinking about for when we do 11 through 20, but sometimes it's just like there will be that one moment and I'll think, you know what? That on top of the other 15 years of work, they're pretty freaking good. So that being said, this first person I'm going to is not somebody like that uh number 10 on my list all time is oscar okay so nice. josh do you have any thoughts about oscar uh, actually let me first <laughs> let's do this is she on your list she's not on my list okay so i'll say how about anytime somebody comes up on both lists we defer until we get to the higher position defer okay that works so the moment like oscar debuted and i really liked her right off i thought she had some really great matches with emma uh she had good matches with bailey but the moment where i first really fell in love with oscar was she had a takeover match with mickey james and i thought this was the best match she had had so far i really really dug the match and then at the end, when Asuka wins, Mickey James walks up to her and she sticks out her hand for a handshake. Like, all right, you're the better person. And it's kind of a passing the torch moment. And Asuka looks like startled and like half offended. And she stares at Mickey's hand and she stares at Mickey like, what are you doing? And she stares back at her hand. And then Asuka grabs the belt and she holds it up in her face like, I don't need your stupid endorsement. And Mickey's jaw drops like she's... She's so offended, she can't believe it, and Asuka is just smiling, and she starts nodding like, that's right, I just beat you, <laughs> screw you and your endorsement, and she walks off. And similar to that, the Rumble win, she did the same thing to Ronda Rousey when she came out. 
you know, she shook both the champion's hands. She went to shake Asuka's hand, and Asuka like slapped it out of her <laughs> out of her way. It's kind of great because she's a baby face. Yeah, she is. She's she can get baby. away with that stuff. I know it's so good. Um, also, another reason I love Asuka is my daughter, who's four years old, Zoe. She really likes Asuka. That's one of her favorites when she watches it with me. As much as she has favorites, you know, she's usually, like, half paying attention. Yep. And personally, Asuka brings me back to being a little kid watching wrestling. Like, normally, I'll want the best story developments, you know. I'll kind of hope things are just entertaining and good. But when Asuka is wrestling, I want Asuka to win. And I am happy when Asuka wins. So... To do that to a 39-year-old adult is pretty cool to still get that little fanboy moment. So, number 10, even though she hasn't been around that long, only a few years, but Asuka, to me, is just the best thing in wrestling right now. Awesome. Yeah. So, my number 10, James, Okay. is a guy you may be familiar with named... Roddy Piper. Yes. Is he on your top 10? He is in my top 10. He is? Yes. So should we wait? Is that how and we're doing this? That's what I propose, but do you want to just talk about him now? Because we might have different thoughts. That's true. Yeah, we can do that, and then maybe if we you touch yeah. on yours, then we can yeah. go lighter later. But um, So Piper, for me, I think we talked about this the very first episode. I love heels. If you look up like wrestling heel on Google, it's probably a picture of Roddy Piper. Probably. Yep. I just remember as a kid just thinking he's just so freaking hilarious. Like, mm-hmm. everything he does is so funny. I dressed up as him for Halloween one year. Love it. Um, Love it. Our friend Bill did, too. Did he? Yeah. I, this was, like, eighth grade, so I don't know. <laughs> I think I used, like, a blanket that my mom had okay. as the kilt. So not, like, an actual kilt that I'm sure Bill used, but a leather jacket that was probably from Goodwill or something. Homemade hot rod t-shirt. <laughs> I should probably mention that. Josh and Bill and I have an expression that we use. We call it going Roddy Piper, which just sort of means it's when you say, screw it, I'm just going to do this. Yeah. Screw the consequences. Damn the man. Yeah. He's just so much fun. And uh, I like that he got better. No, I don't want to say better, but a lot of wrestlers, when they get older, you're kind of like, like they're kind of like, like say, flair, if okay. I can say that. <laughs> Woo! It's just kind of like you get tired of seeing him after a while. That's fair. Okay. Whereas Piper, it was like, it was always great when he would come back for a random rumble or anything because he wasn't the greatest technical wrestler to begin with. So it's not like when he's older and he's, it's not like he's, he doesn't have it anymore. He never really had that to begin with. Right, yeah. But he still has his awesome comments and like jokes and silliness as an older wrestler that never really went away yeah and he was a very entertaining wrestler you know like he wasn't a technical wizard i think everybody knows that but just his selling the way he'd throw punches you know his storytelling ability in the ring was really fantastic was there a specific moment where you fell in love with roddy well the moment that i chose was his intercontinental match with bret hart oh yeah i was at that one live are you serious james wrestlemania 8 in indianapolis what a jerk (laughs) wrestlemania 8 so i would have been uh how i don't know i was 12 that was 1992 yeah i actually was gonna bring this up we have another upcoming um, kind of get to know a special about different WrestleMania stuff. I had a note for that one that applies to this is I feel like I kind of measure my life by WrestleManias mm-hmm. because the first one was 1985. Is that right, James? Yeah. yeah. Which made me one at WrestleMania. WrestleMania one. You were one years old. So yeah, so I like everyone is the age that I'm at. <laughs> 
So it'll be like 94, I always know, is WrestleMania 10 because I was 10 years old in 1994 and so on. And so I was 12 when Sean won the belt, all that. Um, So you said eight. So I would have been eight. Okay. At this, I don't think I was fully into it yet. I think I you know, getting a few videos from the uh, video store, but that's about it. So this was kind of going back later, probably like 9, 10, 11 years old. And just that match is great because as we said, he's not a technical wrestler, but Brett can make anybody look amazing. Right. And Piper looks like a freaking superstar in that match. He does. And of course we know he never got the, the big one. And so that's kind of his biggest moment as far as like uh, pure wrestling wrestler goes mm-hmm. and uh i just love it it's great i went back and watched it this week it holds up that match to me it's weird because if i were to think of what a five star match is it probably wouldn't meet that right but in my head it's five stars because i enjoy that match as much as i do the five star matches that i enjoy i know i thought that too because I, I am kind of a melter mark and it isn't a <laughs> five star <laughs> match as far as like aerial stuff goes and all that and, yeah you know but the crowd is into it and we were into it as kids, so and that's what match. else matters, really? Right, yeah. That's a match with a definitive story, you know? Like, they're friends, the respect's sort of iffy going in. They definitely lose it somewhat during the match. They try to get it back. They both take shortcuts. Piper goes to cheat at the end, you know, but his conscience, good conscience gets the better of him. We should just do a podcast about that. <laughs> yeah, no, we're we're gonna be like four hours long if we geek out about Piper. But I will say the other, the, it was a close one because I also love his Andre the Giant promo where he says, "Oh yeah, okay, there are say? two here." The one I'm talking about is like, if, "Don't throw, don't throw rocks, rocks at a guy that has a machine gun." Yes, <laughs> yes, telling that to Andre the Giant, and Andre picks him up and you know slams him on the table or whatever he yes. does. There is a moment actually in that interview where uh, Piper says that like he and Andre had a running gag backstage where like, you know, he'd walk up, hey boss, how you doing? And Andre would say, none of your business. And so this was just like, this went on for months. And then so Andre was on Piper's pit and Piper was asking him where he comes from. And Andre doesn't answer four times. So the fourth time he says, none of your business. And then there's just this moment where you see Piper sort of like pull the mic back and smile for a second like, oh crap, you got me. Then he goes right back into character, but it's sort of a cute moment. Yeah, that's awesome. There's so many good Piper stuff. I was this was a few months ago. I watched him on Bill Maher. <laughs> Do you okay. remember that? Yeah, yeah. I forget who else is there, but it's a really random group of people. And it was like in the news that was a lot of stuff about like is wrestling real or not? And I guess wrestlers were getting really tired of this. Okay. <laughs> Piper just gets do. like really like awkward and brings up Owen and like pulls off his belt and shows like bruises and stuff. It's just kind of funny because Bill Mars just looking at him like, wow, this guy is a straight up lunatic in my <laughs> studio right now. But okay, James. Well, can we talk about the other Andre moment about Piper's Pit for a sec? Yeah, of course. It, it was later. It was just a basic Piper's Pit interview. And Andre, like, gives him a look. And Piper kind of backs up. And Bob Wharton, you know, backs up a little bit. And Andre's like, that's right. And he just sort of walks off and he waves to the crowd. And then you know, he's, like, halfway gone. And Piper's sort of, like, peeking up looking. And then he motions to Bob Wharton. And Bob Wharton, like, takes, like, five steps sideways, you know. And he's looking. And then he turns back. And he says, like, he's gone. 
he's gone. And then Piper <laughs> takes the mic and he goes, what an idiot. That's amazing. <laughs> so good. I'm going to look that up. I haven't seen that in a while. Right. Okay, number nine. Number nine on my list. Maybe for my money, the best Ring of Honor wrestler of all time, as far as his run in Ring of Honor goes, Samoa Joe. Nice. And so, yeah, Joe is somebody who I first really started catching in TNA. I caught his Ring of Honor stuff retroactively. And so I always appreciated his work in TNA. They put out a Samoa Joe DVD, right? So this DVD had his Daniels match, which I had never seen before. Uh, it had the AJ Styles match, which I had never seen before. It had the Daniels AJ triple threat, which I had never seen before. I loved all of those. Had a bunch of other great matches too. And then later in 2009, the tail end of 09, right before Hogan comes in and kind of screws up the few good things that they had going, there's another Daniels, AJ, Joe triple threat to main event, a pay-per-view. And it was so good. And man, so that stuff added on with the Ring of Honor stuff I caught later. And then, again, he had the NXT run I thought was really good. His matches with Balor were great. His matches with Shinsuke were really good. He had a very good match with Sami Zayn on NXT TV. And then he got to the main roster. And especially... I. I really loved the feud with Brock. I thought the match, I know some people hate it. I thought it was great. Another just basic storytelling match. You know, if it only takes you four and a half minutes to tell a story, don't waste my time. Do right. it four and a half minutes. I'm down with that. I've got a kid. I don't have a lot of time to watch TV. so I'm, I'm watching half of this on Fast Forward. Right, yeah. I'm down for short matches. <laughs> and a couple months after that, there's this great little character moment. And Josh and I, again, on this podcast, we talk about the little things. In the build to SummerSlam that year, where Joe's in the four-way with Reigns and I think Braun and Brock, there's a little moment where they're in the ring, Joe comes out. Heyman's in there with Brock, and the other guys had talked, and then Joe starts making threats, and Heyman, you can see him sweating, and he screams, you will never get another title shot, like he's petrified, and then Joe completely ignores Heyman, and he gets in Brock's face, who's starting to shake, and he says, that's your agent, Brock, that's your agent, he's trying to protect you right now. Hey, you need to listen to your advocate, he's protecting you from me. Because in his heart, deep down, at the bottom of his soul, he knows I'm the one. I'm the man. Hey, you look at me when I'm talking to you, or we can straighten this out right now. He's the man that knows I got your number. So good. So good. I remember we talked about this a little while ago about his evolution on the mic. Yeah. Like you said, I didn't know him back then, um, back in Ring of Honor or anything, but when he came to WWE, it was like, okay, he's like a big monster. I get it. Like, he's an awesome wrestler. We saw him um, at an NXT show. Remember that? Uh, yeah. Was that a tag? I forget what that match was. But then eventually, when he was on the main roster, he started having all these promos that were just unreal. And I remember thinking, like, was he this way the whole time? He was not. Like, in TNA, he was only okay. Ring of Honor, he didn't really do much, um, many promos. Without knowing anything, I'm going to attribute it to the promo classes at NXT. Maybe he hired an acting coach or something. I don't know. But, man, he's the best in the business Which right is now. weird. That's actually come up a few times. I listen to ENC a lot. And okay. that's come up a lot for wrestlers that are so-so on the mic. And then when they get to NXT, especially when Dusty was there, yeah, they actually learn things. Mm-hmm. And they become really good. Like, like he did. Like, a few of the others that were in NXT that just learned how to talk on the mic and 
my favorite, it's pretty recent, but the AJ Styles feud where he goes just really hard on him and his family. Like, <laughs> it's just so, so good. Like, it's so believable that he's like a big jerk. And of course, he's not in real life or anything. And yeah. I don't know what real life is, James T. Right. I, apparently, he's a pretty decent guy. Pretty <laughs> nice guy. The promo going into Fastlane this year where, like, he joins the, I think it was a five way. Yeah. Right, and Jeff Hardy right away says, "Hold on, hold oh, on." Man. Yeah, he says, "No, no, Jeff, stay right there. You, you just pretend this is AA. And stay <laughs> quiet while I talk to the group." It's amazing. He he doesn't hold back. It's great. I love. He's not on my top ten, but I do love Samoa Joe. All right, Josh, number nine. Who do you got? My number nine is Kevin Owens. Man, not, okay, not the top. Not five. on my top five, but this I. I do love him a lot. So for Kevin Owens, kind of similar to your thing with Joe, I didn't know him in Ring of Honor. We're outing ourselves as not cool enough to know the Ring of Honor stuff when it was live. Yeah, um, my first Ring of Honor show was uh, <laughs> Supercard of Honor 2 before WrestleMania 23. I mean, I do think we're cool now, James. Oh, we're, I mean, I've got like tons of New Japan I mean, stuff. The ladies but... gather around and ask us to talk about old wrestling. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> So I did not know Kevin Owens until, or Kevin Steen, until he was in the WWE. Mm-hmm. And when he showed up, I was not a fan. I don't know really? why. I I thought he was super annoying, which of course, no, looking I back, is exactly that. what he wanted. Yeah. And I kind of just got, I, I think what it was, was I was like, he looks like me. Like, why do I care? Like, this is supposed to be like, uh, you know, superhero out there with crazy moves and all this stuff. And Kevin Owens just looked like <laughs> I just showed up at Raw and was like, put me on. I've heard that criticism before, actually. I want to back you up Of course, I've heard other people say that. Of course, he is a spectacular wrestler and has awesome moves. But mm-hmm. just like at first glance, the what. He literally wears what I'm wearing now, like athletic shorts and a black t-shirt, you know, like, <laughs> so I was kind of so-so on him for a while, of course, like, he was growing on me and growing on me over months, but then the Festival of Friendship with Chris Jericho. Okay, was that the moment? Going back to the heel thing, where I was liking it just because it was so dumb and so over the top anyway, the whole Chris Jericho and him being best friends, because... You know they're not best friends. Sami oh, yeah. Zayn is his bro and all this. If anybody hasn't seen it, I, I'm going to play a clip. <laughs> but he, Jericho had this thing, which I guess actually wouldn't translate onto audio, because Jericho had an ongoing thing where he had the list of Jericho, and whoever was on that, you know, whoever pissed him off made the list of Jericho, and that just meant that he was going to, at some point, you know, beat them up or whatever. And Jericho comes out, gives Kevin Owens all these ridiculous gifts, a painting and all this stuff. He has it in Vegas, so it's all Vegas-themed, and just showing Kevin Owens how much he really loves him. And Kevin Owens kind of first starts to react like, you're creeping me out, I don't really get this, like, why do you like me so much? And he's like, no, no, I apologize, I grabs a gift, and he says, I got a gift for you, and Jericho opens it, and it's a clipboard, and so the crowd cheers, it looks like, oh, you know, he got him a new list of Jericho, Yeah. and he holds it up, and it says the list of KO, and then, of course, Jericho Kevin says, why is my name on this? Nice, thank you, James. Yeah. <laughs> and Kevin Owens, of course, just turns on him. And After seeing all of this, I didn't realize you'd go all out like this because I, I got you something too, but it's, it's nothing compared to this. But I'll, can I have it, please? I'll give it to you anyway. I mean, like I said, it's really not much, especially not compared to this, but it comes from the heart, man. Thanks. Go, go ahead, open it. Okay. Dude, I can't, I can't, I didn't know you were going to get me anything. I know it's not much, but. 
It's perfect. A new list. I mean, it's great. I mean, the other list is, is getting beat up and it's, it's getting full. How come my name's on this? such a good moment that's up there uh, top 25 raw moments ever i so. love it so ever since then i was just all in i was like it, it kind of like the the how i met your mother the glass broke kind of thing yes. it's like i get it now like he's supposed <laughs> to be super annoying and i, I love that so <laughs> james had a ring of honor dvd best of kind of thing for kevin steen and mm -hmm. uh, i borrowed that and i just Every match in Ring of Honor was something like that. Like him, he doesn't do this nearly as much anymore, but jawing at the crowd, um, sometimes like throwing drinks at the crowd and like <laughs> just being a total jerk to everybody. Um, just really, really fun stuff. So what did you think of the Sami Zayn feud? Because you like what you're bringing up, the Jericho list, that was after the Zayn feud. In, in Ring of Honor? It, or in WWE, WWE and okay. NXT, yeah. Because that was one of my, I'd say to this day, top 10, maybe 5 years ever. I think then I was, like, since I didn't like him yet, I was on the Sammy side. Okay. And so, I mean, I that's when I was, it was growing. Like, I was yeah. like, okay, he is a good wrestler. He does have, you know, good mic skills and everything. But... And this is a good feud. Right. Yeah. 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 So I think the Jericho stuff was kind of like the, the straw that broke the camel's back for that. So. All right, cool. Big fan. And then I met him, so. Yeah, yeah. You that was him. awesome. You got him to autograph the ROH DVD, which is really freaking yes. cool. Yeah. Um, which James <laughs> <laughs> lovingly let me keep. I actually had, at the beginning of this year, I had really bad gallbladder pain for like a month oh and a half. Oh my gosh, yeah. And I had that going to <laughs> that night. <laughs> I had it and I was like, I had already got the tickets or whatever. I was like, I don't care. I think I was having surgery like that next morning or next couple mornings after that. I was like, I'm going to do it anyway. So I'm like limping through the like two hour line. Oh and, my gosh. But he was so That's nice and so like friendly. And I, my wife and I talked about how we were at the end of the line, literally like the last couple people. And it was well past the time that he was supposed to be there. And he was just like gracious with every single person. I talked to him about how James and I went um, with my wife and a few other guys and we held up a giant sign that said hug me hold me tight which is probably a close number two as my favorite <laughs> moment yes the uh and, well, I mean, embrace of Sami Zayn yeah. after they got on the same side on Smackdown my name is Kevin Owens this is Sami Zayn and he is my best friend you have to wonder if this tune will change next week with the return of Shane hug me man hold me tight James, what is your number eight? All right, number eight. So this is a bit of a departure. I'm not picking an act here. This is a faction. Okay. okay. Guess you're the cheater in the group. It, I'm the cheater in the group. N-O-D. <laughs> <laughs> it is, of course, the LWO, the Latino World Order. <laughs> <laughs> not not LWO, not the Nation of Domination. <laughs> it's the Shield. I awesome. really love the Shield. Yeah. So I was at Survivor Series 2012 when they debuted live, and had no idea who they were, but just you know these three guys running in to disrupt the main event was really cool. But then 
where I initially fell in love with them was their first, like, four to five month run. They just fought a combination of guys I would just generically refer to as the Super Friends. So it'd be, like, The Shield against John Cena, Ryback, and Sheamus. Then it'd be The Shield against Jericho, Ryback, and Sheamus. And then it'd be The Shield against Big Show, Randy Orton, and Sheamus. And then The Shield against... Kane, The Undertaker, and Daniel Bryan, and The Shield fought Bryan, Ryback, and Kane. And so it'd be like The Shield versus three main event guys for months, and The Shield always won. And they always did it by, at the end of the match, they would kind of divulge things into chaos where it was hard to keep up. And then there'd be a moment where you could tell, you know, they'd call Rollins the architect. They'd be like, oh, they just set something up. They're running a play, like a football team. And then they'd run this play, and inevitably, it would take one of the opponents out of the match. And then it'd be three on two, and that's when they would win. And that's how every Shield match ended, you know? And it sounds like it'd get cliche. It wasn't. It was always fresh because it had never been done before. You know, this wasn't happening every week. You know, you'd get a shield match every three weeks, maybe. And so I just, I fell in love with that. And then they had a really good tag title run with Reigns and Rollins. The Wyatt family feud, that stared out again. That was an amazing Raw moment. The match at Elimination Chamber is maybe the definitive shield match. Shield versus the Wyatts. And then they had that great evolution feud uh, where they beat him at back-to-back pay-per-views. They shut them down in an elimination match. It, it was all great. And then the turn happened, you know, and so I'm kind of the more general fan of all three guys now after the breakup, but that initial run, one of the best runs of a faction ever in wrestling. So the Shield, I'll take them over the Horsemen. I know that's <laughs> controversial, but number eight for me is the Shield. Nice. I love it. So my number eight, James, guy you like a little bit named Bret Hart. Yeah! I joked um, during our Brett and Owen feud recordings that I knocked Brett off the list. Um, I went back and looked because I keep an ongoing list, and I actually didn't knock him off the list. I just knocked him further down. Okay. I, how can you not love Brett? I mean, especially at our age, I understand if you're a little bit younger or older, you might you know have missed that era, but he's just so consistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like he's just like a giant part of my childhood, obviously. Um, best there is, best there was, best there will be. I didn't know that you were going to screw Brett on your list and take him down a few spots. I, I really didn't plan this, I promise, but my number eight moment <laughs> was his heel turn. Because <laughs> um, Brett, like, for all of the heel turns, I feel like Brett's heel turn is one of the best. Yeah. Because he's such a, like, Boy Scout. Okay. All through WWE, he was, you know, just the fan fan favorite, straight-laced, babyface. Yeah. And I know, I guess, any heel turn kind of comes like this, but he was, I mean, he was the champion before he ever was a heel, um, so he, he had been that way for a long time. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was it 97 when all of the stuff was going down after the, the screw job and all that stuff? When yeah. he did the heel turn in the ring on the mic, this is the one I'm referring to. Okay, so yeah, so he returns in late 90s. 96, first time on TV since the Iron Man match, aside from like some random one-off, like not in front of the live crowd interviews. There were like three of those, I think. Two after Mania, and then one addressing a Brian Pillman pay-per-view interview with Steve Austin. 
And so he comes back. He's kind of bitter, you know, like right off the bat. He's back. He's the hero. Brett's back. And he says, like, I want to face the best wrestler in the WWF. And you're thinking, oh, Shawn Michaels, the guy beating for the title, the champion. And he says, and that's Steve Austin. And they don't make a big deal out of it, but it's one of those scenes where you're like, huh. And then he says, you know, Shawn would never be as smart as me or something like that. Um, again, he gets cheated. He doesn't get cheated, but... <laughs> An, an unfortunate circumstance slip up there in his match with Sid. And they again, they show more bitterness there at the Rumble. They show the bitterness. He quits on Raw the next night. He comes back later that night. Like, they really earned this heel turn. You know, they took the biggest yep. face. And they took, like, five or six months getting there, you know. They planted seeds along the way until that moment you just talked about on Raw when he... Actually, that... Oh, my gosh. Okay, that episode of Raw... The last Raw before WrestleMania 13, one of the best Monday Night Raw's of all time. And it's just because so much of it revolves around the main event story of Brett versus Sid in the cage. Now, Josh, what do you remember about, you mentioned the Cusford tirade the, thing went on. Yes. Was that before Mania or after? That was before Mania. Okay. It was like the go-home show, yeah. Well, okay, so that one you're talking about. I just put this down as my favorite moment because it is my favorite, but yeah, I didn't go back and watch it. So I kind of am hazy on some of the details. I remember he, essentially what I remember is he, him turning on the crowd. Yes. Which is always fun. Like you guys are so whatever, fair weather, you know, you're, you're kind of dumb like Americans. And All right, that was right after. Okay. Okay. Can I go over this? Cause I, of I course. Talk about this later. Okay. Of course. So cool. So, the real turn, like the heart of it, takes place in four weeks. Like, Brett was such a good guy. It took four weeks for his heel turn to click, okay? So, week one is like two weeks out for Mania. And, you know, the card set, Brett Austin in a submission, Taker versus Sid for the title. And Gorilla Monsoon announces that next week on Raw, you know, Brett deserves a title shot because he's gotten screwed. The timing stinks. This isn't good for anybody but fair is fair, and we're going to give Brett a title shot. And so the commentators kind of play up, like, do you think Brett kind of politicked his way into this, you know? Uh, Brett comes out, he says, you know, like, finally I'm getting a little justice around here, you know? Grilla Monsoon recognized I deserved a title shot. And so he says, you know, so at WrestleMania, Steve Austin, it's going to be you and me and Undertaker. Listen, I know you're going to be upset, but you're going to get your shot just like everybody else once you work your way back to being the top contender. And so it's kind of like another subtle thing where in Brett's first two runs, the gimmick was, I'll fight anybody up and down the card. If you want a shot, just say so. I'll give you a shot at the title. Right. And now he's kind of saying like, well, if you earn your shot, you know, then yeah, I'll face the number one contender. Yeah. And he's saying it to The Undertaker, who is like clearly the most deserving guy of a title match. The next week on Raw, they do the cage match. You know, they're, like, interviewing Monsoon. Is the match going to go on or is it going to be canceled? They're interviewing Brett. You know, Taker's pissed because he might lose his shot. They have all these combustible elements, and they say they're going to go ahead with the match. And so it could change the face of WrestleMania is the tagline they keep using. And... It's ma it's almost magical, and I know that sounds cheesy, but it's one of the best stories they ever did. 
Um, Austin is cheating, trying to help Brett win, so he'll get the title shot at Mania. Taker kind of costs Brett the match, you know, so Sid wins, so Taker keeps his title shot. Sid goes to the back, they're taking down the cage, Vince goes in the ring, Brett's just got that look that Josh brings up, how good Brett has it, that uh, pissed off look that Josh loves. And Vince says, I understand you're frustrated, and then Brett puts Monday Night Raw on a seven-second delay that they are still on to this day. Red Hart, you've got to be terribly frustrated. Extremely frustrated over what has just happened. Frustrated isn't the goddamn word for it! This is <laughs> You screwed me! Everybody screws me! And nobody does a goddamn thing about it! Nobody in the building cares! Nobody in the dressing room cares! So much goddamn injustice around here, I've had it up to here. Everybody knows it, I know it, everybody knows it. I should be the World Wrestling Federation champion. Everybody just keeps turning a blind eye, you keep turning a blind eye to it. I got that gorilla monsoon, he turns a blind eye to it. Everybody in that goddamn dressing room knows that I'm the best there is, the best there was, and the best ever will be. If you don't like it, tough They show Vince, he looks pissed. They show Brett in the ring, he's breathing fire. Fans are booing. And then a big brawl breaks out to end the show with Austin, Taker, Sid, and Brett. It's amazing. I need to go back and watch all that stuff. Dude, I have a <laughs> self-made DVD where it's like the build to WrestleMania 13. Nice. That's better than the show. Brett, uh, Austin, match aside. Okay. All right, sorry. Anyway. No, you're fine. So, yeah, Brett rules. Um, so, yeah, you talked about his heel turn, and that was your favorite moment. What were some of the face moments you loved? Um, I love just, like, all that stuff before anything to do with Sean. Okay. Um, just... I have one or two in my 11 to 20 that are kind of like this, where it's more like a collective body of work. Yeah. Spoiler, one of them is like Cena. Like, so I was never a gigantic Cena guy, but it's just impossible. He's just so good and he's been there for so long. Like, I just can't not put him on my list. Yeah, Cena's on my top 10 and it's for the same reason. There's just some moment where in my head I went, this is like the 15th match he's had that I've absolutely loved. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, number seven is the man, the nature boy. Woo! I take a restroom break. Blair. Oh, man. Okay. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> One of the greatest of all time. All right, so my fandom with Flair really had, again, this is another one where there were three parts, and that third part sort of was the turnover moment, right? So I loved his stuff on Nitro. We are live in Chapel Hill! Who mean Gene? Okay, and I, like, started watching NWA back in, like, 1987, and he used to irritate me. I was, like, seven years old at the time, right? So it wasn't that he was a heel, but because he was the champion, and, like, it seemed like every match he had ended in either a draw, a disqualification, or a countout, at least that I saw, to the point where, like, I wasn't even, you know, I'd rented a couple of their pay-per-views from a video store, but anytime Flair hit a title match, I just assumed it would have a DQ finish. And this is me at seven years old, you know, I know it's fake, and I'm just thinking like, 
Uh, Ric Flair, he's just gonna, why do they make him the champion? Why do they keep ending title matches like that? It's so stupid. And so having the option of like Hulk Hogan, good guy with clean finishes in WWF, or Ric Flair, like, you know, slow methodical matches with DQ finishes in the NWA, I wanted Hulk Hogan, you know? And to this day, I prefer Hulk Hogan's 87 stuff to Flair's like mid 80s stuff. I think it's way better, but you know, Flair had the great series with Steamboat in 89, and I am going to go on the record. I might have to revisit it. I think that feud actually sucks as far as the um, character It's a good preview stuff. for a uh, future feud breakdown of <laughs> right, Flair. Right, right. They do, like, the Playboy versus the Family Man thing, and it just, it doesn't work, I don't think. Yeah. The matches are fantastic, like... I think Meltzer gave all of them five stars. You know, I know Scott Keith did too. They, you know, deserve high ratings. I wouldn't go five on all of them, but, you know, that Clash match is one of my favorite ever. They're they're great matches, but the feud isn't great. But he's on my top ten ever. And you're doing a great job right, of putting I'm him over. Right, why he shouldn't be, right. <laughs> so his Nitro run was essentially mostly like an interview every week I thought was super fun. The first Flair DVD set. Okay, came out, and this had, I think, two Steamboat matches. It had the Terry Funk I Quit match, it had a Dusty match, it had the 92 Rumble, which I'd seen several times. The Triple H match from Raw, which I actually missed when that came on. It had a Sting match, not the famous Clash match, but another Clash match that's not as famous. But anyway, that, and it had some of the, the uh, Flair interviews, some of the classic interviews. It had an awesome match with Barry Windham that I remember watching when I was seven years old. Loving the match, and again, getting frustrated that it ended in a time limit draw. Um, and not, like, frustrated, like, man, I want to see him get beat. Frustrated, like, this is stupid. I don't want to watch this show. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so that DVD, and then there were two documentaries on Ric Flair. They're both on the network. One's on the Four Horsemen, one's on Ric Flair by himself. And they're just great. And so that, all those together really made me into a huge Ric Flair appreciator. And then the final, not counting his TNA <laughs> stuff, <laughs> the final round with Sean, the great Sean telling Ric Flair the old Yeller story and Ric Flair slapping him and going like, oh, Yeller, are you kidding me? And slapping him again. So great. Like, Flair really could bring the passion when he wanted to. And so I know, I understand people that are a little bored with Nate, but um, I'm a big fan. So no, no you're fine. Ric Flair. Yeah, we're not going to have the same list. He's uh, an all-timer. I just was never for me. I do have a moment that I love, though, with him, which is that Sean Mania match where he does the infamous, you know, I'm sorry, I love you, and then gives him chin music. It's, it's really good, even though, I mean, he was never like a big guy for me, but mm -hmm. a really great ending to a historic career. Like you said, not counting the later stuff. We don't right. count that, but just I like we don't count the uh, Saudi Arabia, Sean, <laughs> Sean Michaels match. Yeah, that uh, DX Brothers of Destruction. No. That doesn't count. I heard this rumor that a writer had proposed going into WrestleMania 24 that Sean versus Flair go on last and that Flair leave his boots in the ring and that like the closing shot of WrestleMania be a fade out on Ric Flair's boots in the ring. Oh, that would have been awesome. Yeah, that would have been great. Um, Taker Edge was a great match though, so that was a good way to end the show too. Right. Okay. Um, All right, Josh, number seven, man. What you got? I should be prepared, shouldn't I? Woo! My number seven is, speaking of which, Edge. Edge, okay. Oh, Edge. I love him <laughs> so much. 
So I talked early on about showing my wife wrestling and her kind of falling in love with it. A big part of that was Edge, um, his silly antics. At the time, he was a heel and just super obnoxious mm-hmm. and fun and also an amazing wrestler. Was this during the Vicky Guerrero? It was. Yeah. What um, a great team they were. Which I think my favorite moment is uh, is in that era. He, I think he was married to her at the time. Was when he lost his belt. Okay. His championship. Had no way out, which was a two elimination chamber different matches. The I think opening one of the night. Edge loses almost immediately, gets um, eliminated, therefore uh-huh. losing his belt. Super pissed off, blah, 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 leaves. In like two minutes, too. It was like, it was a shock. It was, was that Cena moment. that beat it? Or? It was Jeff Hardy. Okay. Edge charges for his spirit. Jeff reverses it into a small package. And they have this great moment where everyone else in like the cages still for the chamber are just like sitting there laughing. Jeff waves bye bye. And Edge, I think he gets something from the pin, and he mounts like, what? And he turns to the ref. <laughs> but was, but Cena ended up winning that. Title. Triple H. Triple H, that's right. Um, sorry. So we're if watching you don't know, I actually, assume Triple H ended right. up winning the title. <laughs> I actually remember where I was. You were there. Mm-hmm. We were at um, Chris Vaught's house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Guy that we used to know, Chris Vaught. <laughs> and um, my, that was uh, my bachelor party, actually. Was it really? Yeah, that was. So I remember LT, our friend Lori, was mm-hmm. a big Edge fan. And she was. She and I were lamenting his loss. <laughs> and so there's another Elimination Chamber match that night. And on his way out to the ring, Kofi Kingston is doing his his thing, walking down the aisle, and Edge comes out and just beats the crap out of him and <laughs> literally just steals his position in the chamber thing. Kofi may have been champion 10 years oh, earlier, man. if not for Edge. <laughs> One of the great what-ifs. Uh, I, love, I love the uh, kind of logic here. It's kind of similar to Becky Lynch entering the Rumble this year. Like, you beat somebody up, that means... Now you are them in the match. Right. <laughs> Nobody sort of came out. Any bad behavior. Right. Um, but, it, but that time it made sense because Vicky Guerrero was the GM. Right. You know? That's yeah. true. Just a little dumb heel moment, but I just thought it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, of course he wins the belt. So it's like Edge fans are sad at the beginning and happy at the end. And it just kind of ever, ever since then, it's just everything he does is so great. And he has that great promo the next night where he says, like, Jesus turned water into wine after <laughs> the world title went to the WWE title. Uh, he's the best. I remember another favorite moment, although it's a super sad one, was when he retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the, like, slim periods of time where my wife and I actually had cable and we were watching Raw that live or whatever, the night after Mania, right, where yeah. he beat Del Rio, right? Yes, yeah. And he just comes out and retires, and it's... I remember... Bullet dodged. Oh, oh, Del Rio. <laughs> right. Thank God. I remember, of, of course, thinking this is a work, but as it went on, you can just tell. And if you had told me that my last match would be at WrestleMania in one of the main events defending the World Heavyweight Championship and that I'd be retiring as the World Heavyweight Champion, man, I couldn't dream of a better way to go out. I really couldn't. Oh, this is real. Like, what? This is really sad. And uh, so I'll always remember that as well. So, yeah, Edge number seven. Edge, um, so we have a 
broader top 20, by the way. Uh, Edge was on mine, and he just got cut. So he'd be top 25. Well, I'm going to judge everyone on your list that is not Edge. So. Okay. All right. We can start with number six, who is Christian. Of course. So just missed my top five. That was one of your predictions. Yes, and he is not on my list. All right. So Christian, I really started to... I, I liked uh, Edge and Christian a lot as a team. The five-second poses, all their stuff with Kurt Angle was all really great. Their matches were fantastic. The TLC stuff was good. But what I really got into him was in late 2004, early 2005, the, uh, I'm going to call it the That's How I Roll run. He was with Tomco. He was starting a feud with John Cena, you know. It's like this, Cena. This is my show, Poser. Poser? So go take a stroll. Canada in the house. Even back at the start of the year, you know, at the Rumble, he did his freestyle rap, saying that he's going to win the Rumble for all his peeps, read him and weeps, you know, it was sort of forced rhymes. I, I thought it was great, you know, and then he had that few, he had a couple of promos on Raw that were just aces, you know, one was making fun of Cena and Triple H and Batista, I think, all in one, like, again, a joke freestyle rap. It was yep. so good. He left to go to TNA, and for a while there, I was living with a couple of friends of ours, Nick and Sabrina, and we would occasionally order TNA pay-per-views, and there was a rule, basically, that uh, we had, and we called it the PPC Rule Hold on, James. Yeah. You ordered TNA pay-per-views? We, we had a rule, right? We a throw dark money. period in your life? Right. So, yeah. Me, Nick, <laughs> Sabrina, LT would be a part of this. Hey, LT. Uh, some others. But, you know, we kind of all throw in money for the show. And so, for me, it was the PPC rule, which meant pay for, pay for Christian. So, okay. if Christian's in the main event, I'd pay, you know, I'd throw in money for that the show. That is awesome. Yeah. So, Christian, you know, people always talk about, who's a draw? Well, Christian was a draw for me and my friends. And then, basically, so I was a huge fan of him then. I thought he was the most entertaining part of the show that whole time. He came back to WWE. And then that three-year run, I think he was maybe the best TV wrestler of all time. He, every week it seemed like he'd have a three-and-a-half-star, four-star match. Like, Daniel Bryan had this great run in the summer of 2013 where he was having, like, four-star-plus matches every week going into the match with Cena, you know. Christian did that for about three years. Right, yeah, so that run from 06 to 09, no, not 06 to 09, sorry, from, I think it's 2008. 8 to 2011 just his tv work is some of the best of all time and i always loved his promos the one where match thing killed me thought it was hilarious so big christian awesome. fan yeah he's number six he's a lot of fun okay number six randy savage all right yeah so james you were right you're the better friend you know more of my favorite wrestlers so. i missed two of your top five though so Going back to High Fidelity, James, mm -hmm. some of my next couple, top six, will have the, the part in High Fidelity where he says, uh, track one, side one of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
Uh, essentially, you're going to pick... Savage, Austin, Hogan, Rock. Well, no, not necessarily. Wait, sir, the... your number two is The Rock, and your number one is Bob Backlund, right? That's right. <laughs> no, not necessarily the wrestlers themselves, but the moments of theirs. Okay. So the moment that I'm going with is a very Beethoven's Ninth Symphony choice, which is the Steamboat match from WrestleMania 3. Oh, yeah, but that's a classic. Oh, it's just so good. I rewatch it, like, three times a year. Okay. You just can't beat it. You really can't, like... I know it's, like... If you, I don't know. I know it's cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. Yeah. It's just so good. I love it when other wrestlers um, kind of pay homage to Savage in a weird way. I just love that because it's like, yeah, he was super, super famous, but he also was never, he wasn't Hogan and he wasn't Warrior and he wasn't, you know, the Flair, the, the kind of huge, huge ones. So I love it when wrestlers these days pay tribute to him because it's like, we know who was really the best at Back then, you know, like, so, so Bailey does it a lot. Yep. Um, And she mentions that. She says that elbows for Randy Savage. Yes. She does. Um, CM Punk did it. CM Punk did it a few different times with his color choices and his trunks and everything. Mm -hmm. So I just love that because as we just talked about, I'm not a huge flair guy, not a huge, of those four, I think of the, the, what I think of as like (laughs) colorful wrestlers, like Warrior with his crazy colors and Hogan and Flair. Savage was always my favorite of those four. There's this insanely cool Vince McMahon promo on uh, on YouTube. There's a playlist called McMemphis, okay? And it's about the WWF versus USWA feud in 1993, which is a super cult thing. So if you've never heard of this, look it up. This is Vince McMahon playing a heel like four years, five years before he did it on TV. And so at some point he brings in Randy Savage to take down face Jerry Lawler, right? So like the King Jerry Lawler, bad guy in WWF TV, good guy in Memphis. And so Vince brings in all these guys to take out Jerry Lawler. And so one of them is Randy Savage. That's awesome. And I've never seen it's that. It's so good. Yeah. He has like this great Lawler says, there are only three things certain in life, Lawler. Death, taxes, and Randy Savage. Nice. <laughs> so fun. I gotta look that up. <laughs> we'll probably cover that on the show at some point. It's such a good feud. So I've, there. I've been forgetting to ask her any of these. So Savage, Edge, either one of those in your top ten? Edge is not. Randy Savage is. He's number three. And okay. I'll just, honestly, you covered a lot of cool stuff there. You know, I want to bring up the Jake the Snake Roberts feud. He stole my heart. Oh my gosh. One of the best ever. And that one, again, it didn't overstay its welcome. It left you wanting more. And the angles they shot for that with uh, the Cobra biting Savage, the attack at the reception, and then the biggest gasp moment for me of all those, Jake slapping Elizabeth was just like this Unacceptable. dark, yeah, like, oh my gosh, wow, that's awful, yeah. Like, Elizabeth was this super frail, super lady, like, you know, everybody loved her, the classic stand by your man trope. You know, she weighs like, if, 80 pounds. yeah, if you're a near wrestling fan, yeah, she was like, light as a feather. And so Jake grabs her by the hair and then slaps her. And like, she spins around grabbing her cheek and like collapses on her knees. You know, she's crying. Jake's breathing fire in the ring. Savage is like knocked out. Savage gives this gut-wrenching promo afterwards, screaming that he blames himself. And, oh, it's all so good. There's a really good, I, I may have told you about this, James. There's a miniseries on Vice called Dark Side of the Ring. I've read about it. 
Which it sounds worse than it is because really the first episode is about Savage and Miss Elizabeth. Okay. And of course it gets kind of sour towards the end, but it's really kind of a love story of those two. And it has a ton of like really good footage and clips and stuff from back then. I highly recommend checking that out. And we all attended their wedding. This was the royal wedding. We were all invited. We got married in 1991. Yeah. Real quick shout out to him being in the Wolfpack. Joining the Wolfpack was one of my favorites as a kid as well. (laughs) Very nice. um, All right. So, James, what is your number five? Number five. We've already talked about him some. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Um, So, I'll be kind of brief here. But, you know, the Piper's Pit with, there's the classic moments, you know, with Jimmy Snuka hitting him with a coconut. Things like that. I really love it when... uh, Piper comes back as a good guy in late 86, and the flower shop is going on, and that's what facilitates Piper's face turn, actually, is he hates the flower shop as a talk show. And he destroys the set of it after Adrian Adonis, not Morocco, and Bob Wart, and all kind of like beat him up and injure his leg. It's a great, that whole feud, Piper Adonis, is an all-timer. And again, Adrian Adonis not really talked about as an all-time great, you know, he could bump like a madman, yep. and that Piper feud was so good. I really loved the Flair feud, too. They had this great moment. Again, Josh's favorite interview segment, the funeral parlor, <laughs> where Bobby Heenan walks out with the belt, and then Piper comes out, says, this belt's ridiculous. There's only one champion, and that's the WWF champion. And by the way, he hasn't been here for a reason. It's because I scared Flair. Bobby Heenan, like, I think Bobby Heenan says if Flair was there, Piper would get down on his hands and knees and shine the belt. So Piper spits on the belt to shine it. Heenan slaps him. Piper spits on Heenan and then grabs him. So it's the next time I spit on somebody, it'll be on Ric Flair. And then Flair, like, jumps him a couple weeks after that. It's all... Again, like, the hatred, just, you know, I think that might be the only two angles they shot for that feud. So it was those two angles and promos, and it was really good. So I was way into that feud. Um, I really liked the virtual mentorship thing in 1991. Yeah. You remember fun. that? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'll stop there, but yeah. Sure. I have one really off-topic yeah. um, moment of Piper. It's him on Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I didn't know that. Playing just essentially the the wrestler from The Wrestler. Okay. Just the old wrestler that's like, oh gosh. you know, beat up. Mm-hmm. Worth checking out. I think Always Sunny had to have wrestling fans as writers, right? Because they did an episode where essentially like they get into pro wrestling. You know, they're watching 80s it's wrestling. It's the same one. Gonna, yeah. That and one? Piper's okay. in that one. Nice. Yep. It's great. Okay. My number five is... Owen Hart. All right. So I, about I, will, I will not <laughs> talk about him too much because I think um, I think we've covered everything about Owen Hart, but I just love him. Let's um, talk about some stuff that we haven't covered in this Brett feud. How about that? Uh, like the Yokozuna team. The so the Yokozuna stuff is one of my... Um, I, I was trying to find a specific moment from that because I do love that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of just brilliant. Um, I think it would be like when he revealed him as his mystery partner yeah uh was one of my favorites so good because it was just like t- just taking a heel and then making them an even even bigger heel yeah um so so my top <laughs> 10 is turning heel or becoming more of a heel just you know Especially everybody last name is hard right everybody already hated yokozuna and they were not a fan of owen and then he's like i'm gonna team up with the most hated wrestler 
Um, and those matches were good. <laughs> they were, they they're were both great. good. Yeah. You know, like entertaining and so yeah, Owen, my number five. Yeah, Owen's great. Owen's great. His attitude and stuff with like Shamrock was really good too. Oh yeah. I love all of the stuff when they have what is it called, the new Heart Foundation or it might just be the Heart Foundation yeah, again. Yeah, Heart Foundation, yeah. Uh, when Owen it's like Hellman and all. I just broke oh your my neck. gosh. If anybody can find that shirt, <laughs> XL, uh, DM me. Um, yeah, I love. That was a popular shirt. I think I remember that at Survivor Series that year. The, like, the fan giveaway was, we'll give you this t-shirt. Like, I, Owen 316 says, I just broke your neck. I love it. It's great. Okay, James, what's your number four? All right, number four, um, you mentioned John Cena. Yes. He's my number four. Awesome. And, yeah, he's fourth favorite of all time. I've never really been a guy where I say, I want Cena to win. Like, that's never an emotional investment that I have. But, oh my gosh, his... I'm, all right, so I'm just going to start with the 2005 I Quit match with JBL, mm-hmm. okay? 2006, the TLC with Edge, that's famous. And a match I love even more, the Triple H match from 2020. What were you going to say about The it? TLC, that's a, that's my John Cena moment. He's like, I forget, somewhere in my top 20. Though. Okay. The attitude adjustment through the tables. Yes! In Toronto, and Edge's hometown. So good. And yep. then Edge beat Cena in Boston, Cena's hometown, so yep. that was fun. That was an awesome feud. Yeah, the I really love that Triple H uh, Cena match from Mania 22. That to me was like the definitive, all right, we are booing John Cena as a good guy moment. You yes. know, that it had happened in some cities going into there. There had been some mixed reactions, but WrestleMania 22 was the okay, this is a thing. He is getting booed now, you know? And he's the face of the company. He's the face of the company, yeah. The Backlash match after that in 06 was really good with Triple H, Edge, and Cena. 07, he had that great Mania match with Shawn Michaels. He had a really good New Year's Revolution match with Umaga. And then an even better match with Umaga at the Rumble. And an even better match with Shawn on Raw in London, England. That 45-minute, one-hour match that Sean gets his win back in. Yep. The Backlash Fatal 4-Way is really good. He had the best great Kali matches that Kali ever had that year. 2008, he has my all-time favorite Rumble moment with the surprise return. And then a really good match with Orton at No Way Out. And then another really good match with Orton and Triple H at WrestleMania. Um, he also has the cool SummerSlam build and match with Batista that year. So James, I have to stop you. All right. Yeah, sorry. I, I could just no, like run through his career. I don't know how you, you... It must be your humble nature of dismissing when people say you're a wrestling encyclopedia. <laughs> I had to Google all this today. So. Okay. There, see, I'm trying to think of how to say this. All right. I know a lot, right? But then it's sort of like that line in episode one, there's always a bigger fish, right? I will hear people on podcasts and think like, man, they know a lot. You know, I don't know anything. But that's like saying, like Russell Westbrook, I'm not that good of a basketball player because I'm not Michael Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, sorry to cut you off. No, no, yeah, I I should stop there. Yeah, that to say, like probably every year I could come up with three or four Cena moments I really love. And I think around 2013 is when it sort of clicked, like, I am really excited for John Cena, Daniel Bryan. I loved the go-home promo. Because what I've become is a man who has spent the last 12 years wrestling around the world. From Abu Dhabi to Taipei, from Tokyo to Shanghai, from New York right here to Sacramento.
Sometimes they cheer, sometimes they boo, but I have stood in for a dozen years in front of the most hostile environments, in front of the biggest names this business has to offer. And the difference between you and me is not parody, Jack. Every one of those matches, I did it while I was holding this. You're a big Total Bellas fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Natty Nightheart beat him noxious is a little Jillian life for me. I will say, um, by the way, hi Heather, I love you. It's my <laughs> sister, she loves uh, Total Divas. Nice. Yeah, anyway. Him outside of the ring too. All of the Make-A-Wish stuff, all of the like troop stuff. I don't know if you're counting outside of kayfabe in your top 10, but not it's hard to deny just all of that awesome stuff that he's done for it people. It doesn't hurt. Yeah, that makes it easy to sort of say, like, I feel good about liking this guy, you know? Right. Yeah. My number four is, I think James probably has the rest of my, no, he missed this. Number four is Steve Austin. All right. Yeah. I was afraid it was going to be Triple H, so then I was like, oh, uh, Triple H is not in my there. top 20. Okay. Um, Steve but Austin. I will say Hunt, Hunter. Triple H always holds a special place in my heart. Yes, because he does. He's Sean's BFF. Mm-hmm. So there's a really random moment that I love of Triple H when I think we might cover it in Sean Taker. I can't remember okay. who it was, but somebody was shooting with Sean and they ran backstage and they run into Triple H. And it's kind of like just one of those like, hey, remember that we're best friends. So you can't <laughs> can't mess with him without messing with me kind of thing. That's cool. And that, see, that's like, and that's real friendship, you know? Yeah. And that's, yeah. So with the, the Beethoven thing, I'm, I, I could not pick, not not pick Austin 316. All right. The fourth prestigious King of the Ring, Stone Cold Steve Austin, an incredible victory. The first thing I want to be done is to get that piece of crap out of my ring. Don't just get him out of the ring, get him out of the WWF. Because I've proved, son, without a shadow of a doubt, you ain't got what it takes anymore. You sit there and you thump your Bible and you say your prayers and it didn't get you anywhere. Talk about your Psalms, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. But also WrestleMania 13, which is just as infamous or famous, whatever his match with Brett. It really, it probably is my favorite match of all time. Okay. So in 96, good. Six. That was like your first year where you're really like, oh my gosh, I this was is the coolest. All in, yeah. yeah. But I, I went back and watched that King of the Ring promo not too long ago. I don't remember why, but it's so good. <laughs> like <laughs> I thought it was like, oh, that's that's that line that got really famous. Like that's cool. Yeah. But the whole like entire promo is amazing. Okay. And you can like literally just see a superstar like being formed right in front of you. Like, you know, usually it's kind of over a long period of time, which arguably it is for him. But really that promo, like he got all of his stuff in. He got like Custone Cold said so, you know, yeah, dismissing like Jake and all that. It's just. And that Mara match from that show is really good too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, and then, yeah. So then the, the Brett match. 
of course, if you've any of any wrestler, he's the one that has the most like watchable moments. Like to go back just from being on Raw all the time and doing all of the beer truck and all that fun stuff. So yeah. there's a million moments like that. I do love the Booker T grocery store. <laughs> that's a fun. Uh, one. That's that's it's worth, sort of a deep pick a little bit too. Worth rewatching. That one's fun. Um, so yeah, Austin. I want to bring up uh, one of the things I really loved that Steve Austin did when he first turned heel. This was before like what really caught on they kind of showed this descent into paranoia where somebody would be talking to him and he would just sort of like turn to his shoulder and go like, what, what, what? And they'd say, who are you talking to? And then he'd like snap out of it like, ah, shut up, I'm talking to you, you idiot. What are you trying to tell me? <laughs> and it was great, you know, the stuff with like him hugging Vince, you know, needing a hug from Vince, that was so fun. I always think it's interesting when there's wrestlers like like Christians like this and who are genuinely funny. Like yeah. it's not just stuff that's written or they perform it well or whatever, but they're just a funny person. Yeah. I was, I used to be really into his podcast uh, for a while and my wife and I still quote some random quotes. I'm just going to say it cause she, she loves it. Mm-hmm. His wife was on a few times on the show and it's kind of funny just seeing like Austin, who's like this big like country boy who's like too cool for school and everything just kind of talking with his wife and her like kind of making fun of him a little bit. Okay. So they have this story of them like going through some drive through. This is Christian's wife? Sorry, no, Austin. Austin's and, wife. And um, basically it's just the thing where the person on the other end can't hear you, can't hear your order. And so Austin's just like yelling it, but it's like his wife imitating it. She's like, <laughs> I want two beef tacos, <laughs> two Diet Cokes. <laughs> it's really funny. We, we like to quote that. So yeah, just... Austin being a normal person is hilarious. And great wrestler, too. Yeah, he's a great wrestler. (laughs) He really is. The um, Attitude Era is almost known for having some really crappy matches before the year 2000. But to me, the best match in all of 1998-1999 combined, Steve Austin dude love at Over the Edge with that crazy Montreal setup where, like, Vince is the referee and Briscoe's the timekeeper and Patterson is... I forget what his job is, the guest ring announcer. It's all so fun. And that's like the best example of what the Attitude Era could be in one match. And it could be crappy as crap, too, but that was the best of it. Yeah, for sure. All right. right. What is your number three? Number three, we've already talked about him, Randy Savage. How fitting, number three, WrestleMania three. WrestleMania three, yeah, the Steamboat match, loved that. His face turned the Mega Powers formation. Revisiting his interviews as an adult really changed him from like, oh, yeah, I used to love him as a kid, and I always liked him, too. Oh no, he's brilliant, and these interviews are insanely good. The heel turn right for Wrestle, right before WrestleMania Five, where they do the series of interviews where like Savage will show clips to show that Hulk Hogan is a terrible friend. Yes, and then Hogan will show clips to show no, those are only half truths. Here's the real story. One of them, Savage introduces a promo or a clip of Hogan holding the ropes for Miss Elizabeth because he's trying to quote show the world what a gentleman I'm not. <laughs> so good, <laughs> weird Savage logic. Yeah, and uh, another one I love is he comes in like whenever he would do an interview with Mean Gene, like half the time he'd have a prop with him. So one time he comes in with a little teacup, I think it is. He's like sipping it, and Mean Gene goes like, "What do you have there?" This is right before Russell. Mania 3. He's like, well, I'm just drinking this in honor of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and it is. And he takes a sip and goes like, ooh, 
cup of coffee in the big time. <laughs> She's like, oh, whatever. It's like, cup of coffee in the big time. You're going to be defending against the dragon, Ricky Steen, but what's the cup for? WrestleMania 3, Pontiac, Michigan. Yeah, 90,000 plus people watching right there. And this is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's cup of coffee in the big time. Yeah, cup of coffee in the big time because you'll never get closer than now. I am the Intercontinental Heavyweight Champion and I will remain the Intercontinental Heavyweight champion and George the Animal Steel on the outside will be no factor, yeah. You say no factor, obviously he is a factor or you wouldn't even brought it up. Oh, wow, Mr. Sarcasm, yeah. I don't care if you got 23 wrestlers around the outside and it doesn't even matter, no, because I am ready and I will not let this opportunity slip through my fingers. Cup of coffee, man, yeah. So good. Awesome. Yeah, love it all, love it all. Oh, and the newspaper one, do you remember that? Yes. This is where, like, he's brand new, and he's got a newspaper, and he says, Oh, look, all these stories are about Hulk Hogan and Tito Santana. And she's like, Oh, the Intercontinental and World Wrestling Federation champion, you mean? He's like, Yes, uh, but wait, this is dated for yesterday. And he crumbles it up. He's like, Yesterday's news! That's what Hogan and Tito Santana are. He's the best. <laughs> he is, he is. Awesome. All right, I'll stop there. It should number be our number one. <laughs> number three. Okay, my number three. Oh, Go right, ahead. Sidebar. Last thing. Greatest Rivalries DVD. The documentary is on the network. Have you seen that one? With CM Punk narrating the history of the Mega Powers feud. Yes, yes, I have <laughs> seen that. Randy Savage just yeah. saw Like, Hulk Hogan was not a doctor. Yeah, <laughs> so which awesome. is, yeah, it's great because, drum roll, my number three is CM Punk. Well, that's perfect, okay. Um, it's really a theme going through all my top ten. For for years and years, CM Punk was number two. Let's uh, just talk about him a lot because CM Punk's my number two, so he's going to be back-to-back here. Okay, soon. that's why I, I, I was doing the math and I thought Punk was number your, your number two. I forgot that when I was giving my guesses, but... <laughs> so the the moment I picked again with the cliche theme is the pipe bomb. Um, I had loved him for years, so that wasn't that wasn't when it clicked. But I just remember again, it was one of those times where I had cable. Although I do remember missing it because I think somebody, maybe you, texted me about it, or maybe Nick or somebody. I missed it too. I don't think I had cable at that time, and I had like two or three friends text me like, "Was that real?" That like, was probably like, yeah, my friends. Like, was I'm dumb? Was that real, James? Please tell me. All my friends like know I'm a wrestling <laughs> fan, right? But you know, you have people that you don't see for several months at a time yeah. sometimes, and so because I'm the quote unquote wrestling expert to some of these people, again, like I think the assumption was like, okay, I know what just happened, and so I think I got those texts before I saw what had happened. It's almost like really the rule for a wrestling fan is if you're asking, "Is it a work?" Then the answer is yes. Yes, it's yeah. a work. <laughs> but I think what I did was I looked it up on YouTube pretty quickly, like mm-hmm. after that. Yeah, and, me too. And just I was like, no, I had I remember. Sorry, I know people are dying to know. I had a DVR, <laughs> and I would DVR it and do the fast-forward thing. Like, so did you skip to the very end right away? Yeah, I went back and was like, oh, I need to see this, and just found where his promo was. And it's just, I mean, it, it's my favorite promo of all time. It's just so, it's so good. good. And I'd like to think that maybe this company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead, but the fact is, it's it's gonna get taken over by his idiotic daughter and his doofus son-in-law and the rest of his stupid family. Let me tell you a personal story about Vince McMahon, all right? Do we do this whole bully camp?
And and I am a total mark and believe stuff sometimes. So I thought it was real. I was like, Punk hates Vince and he just went crazy on Raw. Like, you know, just... Well, okay. So it's funny, like, hearing everything in hindsight, you know, like, Punk talking about his interactions with Vince. But at the time, you know, he got on TV and said, maybe it'll be better once Vince McMahon is dead. <laughs> which is a true life horrible thing to say about anybody. Like, maybe it's better when, when you're dead. You know, there's story in the Bible, the prodigal son. And, like, one of the big... Sins of the prodigal son as he says, you know what, Dad? It would just be better for me if you were dead, so can you just give me the money like you were dead? And yeah. I'm going to go have fun. And so you get that moment where you say that, and that is a gasp, you know? And he said wrestler, which hadn't been said on TV in like right. six months. He says uh, Cole Cabana. Yeah, he mentions Ring of Honor and New Japan by name. Yeah, in hindsight, it is like kind of all stuff that is common now, but at the time it was like, wait, what is he talking about, you know? Yeah. So he, essentially he for those who don't Triple know. H a doofus. Yeah, which I still, so I love to call him that. Because <laughs> <laughs> my brother's a big Triple H fan, so I like to call him <laughs> A big doofus. Um, but yeah, and then it's, you've got, speaking of like Cena being the guy that was just always there, you mm-hmm. know, like him just laying in the ring the whole time after getting like the crap beat out of him. I think he went through a table, didn't he? Yeah. I and he's so. just like sitting there looking at Punk like, I freaking hate you. You're everything that I'm against. Yeah. Um, setting up the incredible feud that they had. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, that moment, it's just so good. And so I love the end when the mic cuts off. That's when it's like, yeah, he's the, about to tell. Sarah the crowd is just like, you know, going higher and higher. And when that happens, they just kind of erupt, which doesn't happen as often as it did back in the Attitude Era. So right. hearing the crowd kind of go crazy was is awesome. So. And yeah, a few years there, uh, the WWE it was kind of coined the Reality Era. That was what kicked us into it. That one pipe bomb promo. <laughs> That made everybody stop, everybody blink, got punk on multiple talk shows, podcasts, you know, that was a big, big moment. And then if it was just that moment, it'd be like, wow, that was an all-time moment. And then he had a five-star match with Cena right. at Money in the Bank. He had a great match at SummerSlam. That Cena feud, again, that's one of my favorites ever. Their Night of Champions match is so good. The Monday Night Raw match is my favorite Raw match of all time from 2013 before Mania 29. Um, gosh. And then, all right, before the pipe bomb, okay, we're yep. talking post-pipe bomb, the Jeff Hardy feud. Oh, my gosh. How good was that? Talking about who was that you were just saying that did the Samoa Joe, that did the bringing up Hardy, like, kind of subtly. Yeah. CM Punk did it <laughs> not so subtle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think at some point, like, during that feud, Punk gets, like, a head injury or something like that, and he tells Jeff... See, Jeff, these are prescription pain pills right now, and I'm using them as directed. <laughs> such a jerk. Yeah, such a jerk. So awesome. I'm. He also has a Ring of Honor DVD mm-hmm. that is really, really, really good. Summer of Punk 1. Yes. Right? Oh, that's the, great. Um, his, his heel turn <laughs> in the ring on the crowd is one of my favorite things ever. I almost picked that as, but I couldn't pass up the pipe bomb. But when he he wins the belt, he's leaving, and the crowd is just so happy that he has the belt. And then he just says, like, you know, I I have to look it up, but essentially, like, F all you guys. Like, you guys mean nothing to me. Mm -hmm. I did this all on my own. I did this for me. Yeah. Just (laughs) so So good. So good. (laughs) So well, your number two, like you said, is punk. Do you have any more punk stuff before? The all right. So I mentioned the Jeff feud, the pipe bomb, Grammy, and I was in. I think the moment that really made him number two on my list, and this quote unquote the moment. This is like 
a month's run, right? So his run as WWE champion when he beat Del Rio at Survivor Series 2012 to when he lost it to The Rock was fantastic. The Undertaker-WrestleMania match was fantastic. And then that was all in my mind when he came back in 2013 and had for me... Again, everyone's got different opinions. Three straight five-star matches on pay-per-view. One with Jericho at Payback. One at Money in the Bank and the All-Stars. And then the Brock match at SummerSlam 2013. And for me, that was like, okay, I'm Team Punk. I yeah. love what he's been doing for like four years now. And these matches are some of the best I've ever seen. Awesome. So yeah, so that was the kind of clincher to me where he was like, you know, probably like climbing up the ranks yep. there. But nobody can be number one. No, well, wait, we're at your number two. Yeah, so, number two. so my number two, Punk was two for a long time until Kenny Omega. <laughs> he just missed my top ten. So I know I sound like a huge uh, mark, but when... It's because he's fantastic. Wait, nope. sorry, I mean, Omega can't work. Isn't it obvious? <laughs> it's just doing high spots, James. <laughs> so I will say that I'm not nearly, you know, I, I had no idea who he was until the six-star... Meltzer rating looked it up. I think right before that he we had, both did that. Yeah, that was how we got into yeah. New Japan. Thank Which you, Dave Meltzer. Was kind of so. For those of you who don't know, Mel, Dave Meltzer is a guy that rates matches and has since like the seventies. And he gave this match six stars on a five star scale. Out of five star <laughs> scale because it was better than any match he had ever given five stars. The matches Kenny Omega versus. Kazuchika Okada at Wrestle Kingdom 11, which is essentially New Japan's version of WrestleMania. So James and I watched it, and we're just blown away. I think James became a huge Okada mark as well. Yes, yeah. Um, he's he's great. on the top 20. Again, he yeah. also just missed the top 10. Yeah. There was a version where they were both on it, by the way. He's he's amazing too, but I just fell in love with Kenny and everything. He was I devoured YouTube, finding pretty much everything that was on there. Um, so my moment, even though that was when I first got into him, was his, him wrestling the nine-year-old girl <laughs> i still have never watched that oh much. my gosh james you have to watch it it is so funny and it's just like it's everything that is great about kenny omega like it's a bummer we don't have jim Cornette on this podcast i don't i don't want to business <laughs> <laughs> i mean to to mention my wife again she fell hard for kenny as well he okay. it's just so much fun like makes wrestling fun and in a time where everybody is super too cool for school you know i don't i don't want to like who everyone else likes i'm gonna like bob freaking backlund kenny is just like <laughs> and backlund was good in the 70s by so the much way. fun Early i don't know how else to explain it and this this match if you look it up just look up kenny omega versus nine-year-old girl to well, be clear to here? be clear she is completely safe everything he's doing is protecting her hardcore and he's just selling everything to make her look like a superstar um <laughs> and it's just so funny it's in uh, ddt wrestling i think which is kind of like okay. a organization that's known for kind of that's like silliness. Anyway, right? yeah. yeah um so it's not how it sounds i think some people i think i showed it to my parents when they were over one time and they were kind of like why do you like this this is kind of hard to watch because it's nine-year-old girl but because she's in on it and it's it's almost like watching um like a circus act or something you know yeah. it's like it's just choreographed and fun okay um but yeah pretty much everything he's done since then winning the the belt finally in new japan at dominion was one of my favorites too so all right james you're number one all right so you know what my one is yeah. i know what your one is yeah should we talk about these two concurrently sure i mean they're kind of inseparable yeah and this is the cover photo of at least one of our podcast images on one of the feeds that we have. Yes. 
So my number one that. is Brett. And my number one is Sean. Okay. Michaels. Yes. The Heartbreak Kid. <laughs> Sean Walton. <laughs> yep, Sean Walton, my number my number one. <laughs> Alright, so one of the best views of all time is Brett versus Sean. Yes. Right. Okay. So as much as everybody and when people say that, they usually focus on the ninety seven promos that are just sort of like hate fueled where they're really annoyed with each other. I actually and I love those, but I like the build to WrestleMania twelve better. Dude, James. We again we have an upcoming episode where we talk about different things with different WrestleManias that I won't get into. Mm-hmm. But the build up to twelve is so good. Yeah, it's like it's like a Rocky movie kind of build. Yeah, but not not as corny as it sounds. They spend like a month doing like five, like five to seven minute like videos every week of like both Brett and Sean showing Sean like with his mentor chasing his dream, training harder than ever to be the champion. And then they show Brett as the champion, like up in Calgary, you know, kind of trying to hold on essentially like him saying, Sean is looking to be the next guy. He's knocking on my door to take over right now, but I'm not ready to leave yet. And it's just this, uh, they don't do this stuff enough. I know, which is why it's an all time thing. I think we probably shouldn't go into it too much because it'll be a feud that won't go over I mean, but yeah. it's not like uh those ufc builds that they have yeah. on hbo yeah for know? real yeah yeah so my my number one moment for him is it's him winning the belt at 12 the dream has come um, true but one of the others is him his speech where he's leaving and he says he lost his smile oh gosh so for me as a kid <laughs> i know some people like to make fun of that is your number three moment the tell me a lie video <laughs> <laughs> no it's okay. not that's number four Okay. <laughs> for some reason, people like to make fun of the uh, I lost my smile speech, but for me... Even on air. Yeah, yeah I was um, a kid. I just thought it was like, okay, the fun is over. <laughs> WrestleMania 12 <laughs> and all of the us uh, seeing him at SummerSlam 96. Mm-hmm. And this is like kind of just like real life, like breaking the fourth wall a little bit. Yeah. Obviously, as whatever kid age I was, I didn't know all of the ins and outs of why he was leaving and like pills and stuff. Right. But um, well, I just I mean, knew to be like, fair, that was why he lost the smile. You know, right. he was addicted. To right, that. but as I just felt really like, like connected kind of to him. Out. Yeah, yeah, I care. Like you know what I mean. Like care about him as a person, not just like as a wrestler. Mm-hmm. So I guess you know. Here you go. Here's your belt, and uh, what I'm gonna do is go back home and see what's left for me, whether it be in this ring, whether it be out of this ring. I know that over uh, the last several months, I've lost a lot of things, and one of them has been my smile. And, and I know it doesn't mean a whole lot to everybody else, but it means a lot to me. So I have to go back and fix myself and take care of myself. And I have to go back and I have to find my smile because somewhere along the line, I lost it. And I don't care, really. I don't care if it's unpopular. I don't care if uh, people want to make fun of me because I'm an emotional guy. Um, but this is, this is all I've ever wanted to do. And uh, over the last year, I got to do it. And whether you like me or not, I just want to tell you that... Uh, Last year was the most wonderful year of my life, and uh, if I never do get to do it again, 
it'll be okay because I got to live one full year as being the number one guy in this business and it was the single most greatest year of my life and I have you to thank. You know, so that's one of the other ones I do love. And that's what, yeah, go ahead. Um, his Jericho match at WrestleMania, oh one of my favorites. It's one of my all-time favorite WrestleMania um, matches. A really random tiny moment from when we saw him at a SmackDown was when he chin music Mysterio jumping out, out of the, the air, yes, yeah, yeah. off the top. And great. that was aside from just a good spot. It was like Sean was whatever forty or something. He was in his like latter days and just being like, ah, oh, he's still the best. All right, why are you like Brett? Right. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, right? Now. Sean's so freaking good. He was he was another one that was in my top ten until it got rearranged. Um, my gosh, um, Brett, you know we're covering the Brett Owen feud right now. I really loved that. I was a huge Heart Foundation fan um, when they turned face. Like so, even back to like eighty eight, eighty nine, and ninety, ninety one, especially. I just loved the Heart Foundation. Loved his Intercontinental Title match with Mister Perfect, and so Brett kind of being one of my top two guys, you know, two or three guys, was really something that had been going on for years. And I think almost, I don't know if it was like 97 or 98 when he jumped to WCW, but at some point it was like the culmination of everybody. You know, he was there when I first started being a fan as part of the Heart Foundation as heels. You know, I loved his face turn, loved his IC run, loved his WWF title runs. And at some point it just sort of becomes like, he's my guy. He's my number one, and I love all his old promos. I know Josh's wife, Jesse, said that they're boring, <laughs> which I can't believe. Truth hurts. <sighs> Man, that one hurt a lot. But yeah, I love that. And again, I have it, you brought up that uh, heel turn before WrestleMania 13, or at least the tirade. You yeah. I wrote down revisiting the 1997 heel turn as an adult. The month, like the two weeks before Mania and the two weeks after it, just made me appreciate Brett so much more. And not like, yeah, he's, I think he's my guy to like, oh, he's my guy. And also, I probably think he's the best. Yeah. So, giant Brett fan and man, yeah. I, I wonder I, how often that is for, for wrestling fans where their number one they also think is the best. Because you can like, like oh, I don't yeah. necessarily think. Piper is the best, but I just love him. But, right, yeah. But I would argue that Sean <laughs> is the best, you know? like I would argue that Sean... I, I probably think Sean's better than Brett, to be fair. Well, I'm not fishing, Chains. <laughs> <laughs> You're allowed to think Brett. Uh, Brett's, I mean... It, it's Brett's insane how like, I think Sean has more great matches than Brett, but I like watching Brett more than I like watching Sean. And I don't think it has to do with the quality. It's just like, Brett's my favorite. Both of them had that thing that they could make anybody look amazing they which did. is awesome because if you put them together <laughs> they make each other look even more amazing you know? they really do and also brett to me i think one of the reasons i love him he best represents a time where i thought it was sort of hard to be a wrestling fan like 1994 to me was really rough you know like 93 had a lot of good parts in it but 94 like aside from the main event stories you know like the sean diesel razor stuff was good the brett owen stuff was awesome but the Tatanka stuff wasn't <laughs> right. The rest of it, like the mid card, was really lackluster, and the booking was bad. You know, so it wasn't like the talent's fault. You know, like it, it was just bad booking. Right. And so, I guess to me, Brett was sort of like this shining light in that period. 
where it's like, okay, even if I gotta watch like Sparky Plug and Quang and Jeff Jarrett and DQ finishes, at some point I'm gonna get Brad. And that'll be fantastic and that'll remind me why I love all of this. You know, Owen, this is a whole lot different than the old days when we used to scrap around, roll around in the dungeon. Down on the mat, all the brothers, all the Stu, everybody there watching. You know, it was it was a lot of fun back then. This is not going to be fun. This is not going to be pretty. And this is going to be real, real ugly. Owen, 15-foot-high steel cage match. Everything's at stake. And you know what, Owen? WrestleMania 10 was a fluke. When we get into SummerSlam in the steel cage, I am going to wipe you out once and for all. It's going to be over. Awesome. And so, yeah, so he's my number one. I think he was, you know, he took the shit home. All right, James, what's your 20 to 11 real quick? All right, so I didn't put these in order, so I'm going to try and do that on the fly. Okay. Okay. So 20, I'm going to say Naito, okay? Actually, no, 20, yeah, 20 Naito, 19 Tanahashi, 18 Owen Hart, 17, this is another faction, the Undisputed Era. Awesome. Yes. 16, 16 Shawn Michaels. 15, like I said, he was originally in my top 10, and I kept just coming up with people I liked more. Yeah. 15, Bailey. Okay, you have Bailey ahead of Shawn Michaels, writing that down. Yes. <laughs> Actually, you know what? 15, Kenny Omega, 14, Bailey. Oh. <laughs> I love Bailey. 13, Chris Jericho. 12, Mick Foley. I was close with the. Yeah. And I missed somebody. Did I say Okada yet? No. Okay. So Okada's put 11. Him, like, put him below Sean. Okay. Got it. Okay. So there we go. Awesome. So how does that sound? Like, read that back. So Naito. So you got Naito, Tanahashi, Owen, Undisputed Era, Okada, HBK, Omega, Bailey, Jericho, and Mick Foley. Wow, that sounds... All right. Yeah, that's right. That's, I think that's so how I do that. 11 and 12 were Mick Foley and Jericho. Yes. Uh, okay. So for me, some of the same names... 20, Johnny Gargano. Oh, man, I had him. 19, Zack Sabre Jr. 18, Daniel Bryan, which I cannot nice. believe he didn't have in your... Uh, he's great. He's um, 25. 17, Naito. Tets- Tetsuya Naito. Um, 16, Finn Balor. Ooh, good one. 15, Jeff Hardy. Um, 14... Whoa, whoa, wait, wait. 15, Jeff Hardy? Yes. Really? You didn't know that, James? No. Big Jeff Hardy fan. Man, I didn't know that. Um, that's like, our friend Nick, that's his least favorite wrestling. Nick, Nick doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> uh, 14, Chris Benoit. 13. <laughs> I was going to move past that one. 13, John Cena. And we want to make clear, we are talking about the on Yeah, this is kayfabe only. For, this is kayfabe. I know, I thought of that. This is a kayfabe podcast for the most part, yeah. 13 is Cena. Yeah, all right. 12 is Cody Rhodes, and yeah. 11 is Mick Foley. Okay, Cody. Can we, let's so, yeah, so Cody. One. That's an interesting choice. I, I don't know if you remember, but I kind of liked him forever ago. I do remember that. Like, when <laughs> Cody was IC champion, Josh was actually a big fan, and Josh liked him in Legacy, too. Yeah, I, I kind of just didn't realize that other people didn't love him until later. I was like, I thought he was one of the guys. In yeah, 2009, um, Josh was, like, tracking with Cody Rhodes. <laughs> I don't so know. He said, like, 10 years of being a fan. I always just thought he was just super funny and super mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. You could tell that he was always given kind of crap gimmicks and just did what he the best he could. The moment I always go back to for him is one time he was Stardust and I heard him on a cheap heat 
um, round table for WrestleMania. You told me about this. And he did the entire interview in character. He never broke character. Which was just awesome. That's amazing. Um, the stuff where he had the paper bag over his head. I just love all the all the old dumb Cody yes. Rhodes stuff. The Doctor Doom thing where he's wearing a mask yes. for a while. That was great. So then when he went to New Japan, that was when I was in my huge Bullet Club wearing everything days. And okay. uh, I mean, I kind of freaked out because it was my old guy showing American up. Nightmare, yeah. And he had an amazing promo in something like WCCW or some some British program where he kind of talked about leaving the WWE and he said no matter what somebody in Stanford, Connecticut says, he'll always be Cody GD Rhodes. Okay. Because uh, they tried to take away his, well they did not yeah. let him use the name Rhodes. Um, he can use it now. But he chooses not to. Yes. But he kind of, I almost kind of got tired of him after, because I just see him so much and being the elite and all that stuff where I'm like, mm-hmm. he used to be like the kind of cool, like, no-name guy. Now he's smashing Triple H's throne on AEW. I still love him, but he's just not in my top ten, so. He, like, he's, man, his name has been everywhere recently with all the AEW stuff, and, you know, deservedly so. This is going to be a big deal you know whether it's a great show or it sucks you know there is another wrestling show in a primetime slot on another major uh, on another major cable station crazy yeah that's you nuts. moments of your um 11 and 20 that stick out all right bailey the iron woman match that made invented a takeover was a really sealed the deal with yeah. me and again another one of my daughter's favorites and i really love Really, yep. like Josh and I really love our picking my, my my daughter uh, loved Bailey for a long time too. She's kind yeah, of like she did over it now, but yeah, she used to really really love her. She went to her for Halloween. Yeah, she we went to that NXT. She brought a sign for Bailey, and Bailey pointed at her, which made her day and all that stuff. But. Yeah, so we love Bailey. She's been she's been good to us. Yeah, uh, Chris Jericho, man, there are so many stuff. The WCW run where he was, I liked him as a face when he showed up. I liked him in ECW, what the little I saw him in there. And then his heel turn was just fantastic. All his great heel stuff there, the conspiracy theory when he lost the TV title, the uh, cruiserweight run where he was making fun of all the cruiserweights there, and then his Raw debut is a classic moment. The Sean feud in 2008 is an all-timer. And yep. again, that that's another Sean thing, that Jericho feud is an all-timer. The Montreal promo he had against Hulk Hogan yep. is an all-time promo. I already mentioned the Cena match from London. That's one of my faves from Raw's history. You had Naito on your list. Yep. Right? Okay, so what are some of your favorite Naito things? So his thing with the IC belt, the New Japan, how he destroyed it. That's got a great origin story, too. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think Showbuckle is back up after they took it down, but there was an incredible YouTube video that a guy put together of the... Was it just the lead-up to New, um, to Wrestle King? I don't remember what it was. It might have just been a history of Naito and Okada yeah. together, but just talking about his ongoing relationship with the fans and how like they didn't support him when he needed them, and vice versa, and all that stuff, and essentially him winning the belt was for him and not for he didn't care anything about the belt. Um, Mick Foley, we both had. So and we had him both at 11, yeah. I think, right? Okay. Yeah, I had him at 10 until about 20 minutes before we recorded. Yeah, <laughs> so. he was in my top 10 until like my final edit. 
I remember seeing the the Hell in a Cell live on pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Just couldn't believe it. Um, <laughs> that was the pay-per-view, actually, right when I got my wisdom teeth pulled. So, nice. Yeah, I remember watching it like two days later. I mean, you and Mick Foley are the same, you know, just abusing your bodies, you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> For the fans, yep. the dental fans out there. All right, James, I think we, we covered everything. You got anything before we wrap up? I do want to mention, if you had the means to see this Mick Foley I think this is on his greatest hits and misses DVD my all time favorite wrestling promo is Mick Foley in his I believe it's the second anti-hardcore promo from ECW and I showed it to my wife and it just disturbed her so much that she's like I, I didn't like that I didn't I don't like watching things like that it, it was like too dark right and, and I love my wife she's amazing she's really sweet and so he just gives this promo talking about how wrestling will never be respected. The problem with being hardcore is, by the very nature of the name, we give of ourselves, of our bodies, of our hearts, and of our souls, and for each one of us who gives, there's bloodthirsty lowlife fans out there only willing to take and it's sort of like you see this like transition from him being this hopeful youngster to just like hating the world and it's like it, it's really dark you know and it's really well done it's chilling it's disturbing it's creepy and again and it's great yeah i i will say another <laughs> moment i think it was 1998 my sister for christmas i really love my sister she got me a vhs of a it's called the three faces of foley and it's basically him sitting down talking to the Hardy Boys before either of them are stars in an empty arena and just sort of like narrating different parts of his WWF career. And it's really cool. And that's just, that's what sort of got me like, oh man, he's just fascinating to hear talk. All right. Well, thank you for get, helping uh, get to know us um, over this last hour and a half or so. Uh, we will be back next week with more feuds. So don't worry. And thank you for joining us. Check us out on social media. It's at the Pull Apart Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right. We'll see you next time. All right. See ya. Bye. There are only three guarantees in life. Death.